Hollywood is rated LGBT Radio, starring your host, Rob Watson! Good afternoon, good evening, whenever you happen to be listening to our podcast, we are pleased to be here with you. Uh, we had a little technical difficulties getting this started. Hopefully you didn't notice, um, but uh, we are up and running. Um, today we have a fantastic guest. We have talked to him before, um, young Keenan Pela, who is um, a fabulous teen CEO of Kids for Community, will be joining us. Uh, we talked to him uh, several weeks ago about um, the organization he founded as a teenager, which he still is one, um, and the great work it's doing. This was before COVID-19 hit, and so we are definitely doing a check back with him because um, he won't let a little thing like a big major pandemic to um, slow his his endeavors. Um, That's just the type of guy he is, and we can't wait to talk to him. Uh, But first, I'm going to bring on co-host Brody Levesque. Brody, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. Good afternoon, Rob. Good afternoon to our listeners or whatever time of day you are listening to us. Uh, Today is Thursday, and uh, it's April the 16th. And for those of you that are listening, uh, President Trump, in a conference call today with the nation's governors, agreed to let the governors open at their own discretion. The Trump administration is currently in the process of sending out information and pamphlets uh, to the American public and to concerned folks. Uh, California Governor Newsom, uh, in a press conference earlier uh, this afternoon, indicated that he was pleased with that progress, uh, but also that within that space, the governor was waiting to see uh, in terms of how every state would be affected by this. Um, I have been speaking with uh, governor's offices and state officials across the United States uh, during this pandemic, uh, the biggest thing that seems to be uh, needing to be reemphasized repeatedly is stay at home, social distancing, and be patient. It is flattening the curve. Uh, we are seeing, unfortunately, some upticks uh, in the numbers, uh, which you know are kind of in a way to be expected uh, until uh, testing is a lot more widespread. Uh, uh, you know, it's just one of those things, Rob, where you know, this is just going to take time. And, of course, it's a, it's a planetary uh, issue. Um, so it's, it's not just the United States. It's, you know, it's, it's Lily and other countries. The United Kingdom earlier today, uh, the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson's office announced that they will actually be extending the U.K. Uh, stay-at-home for about another three or four weeks. And it seems to be working. It does look as though the curve is, is in fact, slightly flattening. Um, and as uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo indicated uh, in his press conference earlier today, uh, these are the things uh, that, that need to happen. Uh, the surge that was expected so far uh, has not been uh, as bad as it could have been, although sadly uh, in the Empire State, the Excelsior State, uh, they have lost over uh, 11,000 people. So um, for New York, it's been it's been pretty rough. 
California, according to Governor uh, Newsom, uh, today uh, in his press conference indicated uh, that we have experienced probably about 860 deaths, and we're doing the update on that now. Uh, looking ahead, and as, as, as people are starting to ask questions and to take a look and see where we're headed with this thing, on a state-by-state basis, most states are now starting to shut down schools for the rest of the year. Uh, decisions will be made in terms of when it will be safe again uh, to reopen the economy, which, of course, has been the driving discussions in Washington. Uh, and again, uh, the Centers for Disease Control, NIH, and the various health departments, both local and state, are emphasizing that a lot of this is driven by testing. They have to have accurate testing in place. Um, uh, so this is one of the things that they're, uh, that they're looking towards doing. The president's guidelines that will be issued later today uh, in kind of a metric look are pretty much the same as what California uh, will be doing. Uh, Governor Newsom released his on Wednesday. This is California's roadmap. Uh, California, however, being the most populous state uh, in the U.S. and, uh, quite frankly, the fifth largest economy in the world, uh, you can kind of get an idea where California is at, and there goes the rest of the nation. The things that Governor Newsom had indicated uh, for modification of the stay-at-home order were six elements. The ability to monitor and protect the communities through testing, contact tracing, isolating, and supporting those who are either positive or the ability to prevent infection in people who are at risk for more severe COVID-19, the ability of the hospital and healthcare systems to handle surges, the ability to develop therapeutics to meet the demand, the ability for businesses, schools, childcare facilities to support physical distancing, and then finally the sixth element, the ability to determine and to uh, reinstitute certain measures such as stay-at-home orders uh, if necessary. The governor also indicated, and a lot of these other governors are indicating, uh, that large gatherings or massive gatherings of people um, are going to be uh, off the table uh, probably uh, for quite a while. Uh, so sporting events, concerts, fairs, uh, as Newsom said, uh, uh, those of us in his press conference on Wednesday, um, it's just not on the cards. Uh, Los Angeles Mayor uh, Eric Garcetti in his briefing yesterday essentially echoed the governor. I'm hearing this from other governors and other mayors uh, across the United States. So we're not out of the woods. It, it's We're still very much um, at a stage with this. We're still having uh, way too many deaths. We're still having way too many rates of infections. Even though the testing is uh, getting better, people still need to continue, uh, you know, to be uh, wearing masks uh, when they're out. They need to keep their physical distancing. Uh, they need to be mindful and respectful uh, of others and, and considerate. And uh, this really is just going to be, you know, a tough go um, to the point that I'm sure our guest is going to be talking about. Uh, Governor Newsom uh, today did speak a little bit about homelessness in California and the efforts the state were making. Uh, with uh, a project room key, which is uh, the state's effort to get hotel rooms and to put homeless people into these hotel rooms. There are similar efforts in other states. Uh, but again, yeah, there's still, you know, the metrics of how many homeless people are out there, uh, and, and people need to be mindful of that. Um, so it, we're looking at uh, we still have a long haul. Uh, there's still a lot more work to be done. 
Uh, and uh, the most important thing, and, and again, um, you know, practice your social distancing, your physical distancing, uh, stay at home. If, you know, it, watch what you're out when you're out in public. You know, you've got to pay attention. Uh, Governor Como ordered masks. Uh, Mayor Garcetti has ordered masks. Newsom as well. And it's just simply a good idea. It's just take the precautions uh, and, and just be aware of your surroundings and be aware of what you're doing, Rob. Yeah. So, um, Brody, going back to opening businesses, I understand all that in terms of where we're at. Are they projecting any kind of timeline when some businesses will be able to start again? Um, Governor Newsom has indicated, Mayor Garcetti indicated, and I'm hearing this from other major city mayors, including uh, the mayor of Chicago and the mayors of Washington, D.C., Mayor de Blasio in New York City, that they want to have these six indicators that I just spoke about uh, their variants of them in place uh, before they make those considerations. Uh, the White House, of course, very obviously would like to see that happen by May 1st. Uh, however, it does not look likely. Um, the realistic thing that I'm being told, other members of the press are being told, is that we will probably see an incremental change, and it's going to occur uh, in a slow rollout probably over the next uh, easily uh two to four months. And again, a lot of that's going to be predicated uh, on the six uh, standards and indicators for modifying the stay at home order. Right. And um, you also, in your article that you wrote for the blade went through a lot of the things that might happen in restaurants. Um, Can you kind of tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. And speaking to uh, the, uh, the health department uh, speaking to uh, governor Newsom's office and the governor himself indicated this, um, you know, it's, it's a very practical thing that if restaurants are going to open up, uh, you know, you will be probably served uh, by a wait uh, staff member wearing a mask and gloves. Uh, Restaurants are going to be severely uh, less crowded because there will need to be greater distancing between uh, table. So there's a good chance that you may wait extra long uh, to get into your favorite restaurant. Uh, you may end up seeing a reservation system uh, even possibly uh, crop up uh, for restaurants that had never had that before. We're going to see uh, bars uh, probably have a very restrictive nature as far as social distancing there. And more than likely, nightclubs are probably going to be operating in such a way that Uh, You know, with physical distancing, it just quite frankly won't be practical uh, to operate the way they were uh, previous to the outbreak. So there's going to be some significant changes. Uh, We'll probably be seeing changes. We've been seeing changes uh, in in some areas, uh, probably more so than others, uh, even in places such as uh, grocery stores and, you know, big box retailers like Walmart and some of the other kind. Uh, but uh, again, uh, you're, it, you may see when you come into a restaurant, uh, someone with a temperature gun checking your temperature to make sure that you aren't, um, you know, uh, have a fever or you aren't, you know, sick, quite frankly. So, yeah, there's going to be some pretty radical changes with this. And uh, that, unfortunately, and sadly, as Governor Newsom pointed out in his press conference uh, on Wednesday, will be the new norm. And uh, big gatherings like festivals and fairs and, you know, those type of things, um, uh, they are off the table for probably a year or two years 
Easily. Yeah, no, easily. I'm, I'm, I'm being told that it'll be late 2021. Uh, and again, this will be predicated uh, on the testing. Uh, the, the two testings uh, that are going to be a, a critical concern uh, to the health departments, both at a local, state, and federal level, uh, and the Centers for Disease Control and NIH have indicated, will be testing to see if the person tests positive for the COVID-19. The other test, which is probably even more critical because this is building towards what is referred to as herd immunity, uh, is the antibodies test. And this, this will mean that a person tests that they have the antibodies in the system because they had COVID-19, uh, their body's adapted, and it has adjusted, and they're, uh, they have some immunity to it. Uh, that's not a clear-cut 100% uh, as the authorities in China and South Korea are finding uh, that they've had some rates of uh, reinfection. But it should be noted that many of those cases uh, were people or individuals that had previously compromised uh, systems, uh, be it respiratory or otherwise immune systems, uh, that came out the other side okay, but there weren't enough antibodies to fight a secondary infection. So that's going to be the two tests that are going to be super critical, um, you know, to, the test to make sure that you do or do not have it, and then the herd immunity test to the antibodies. Uh, so, yeah, large gatherings, right. sport events, you know, for the LGBTQI community, uh, today uh, we got a press release in San Diego Pride uh, canceled its Pride for this year. And, and so far to date, virtually every major uh, pride in cities all over the United States had postponed or canceled completely with the current declarations of health departments and the fact that the governors are not going to allow it. You probably won't see anything until more than likely midway through 2021, maybe even into 2022. Uh, okay. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty hefty. Um, uh, yep. What about on the, vaccination, you know, um, medicine side, what, what progress is happening over there? Abbott Laboratories and some of the other uh, drug companies, including Gilead, um, are working very hard. There is a German pharmaceutical house that's working towards the goal. There's a French house, uh, a pharmaceutical house working on it. Uh, some of the larger research facilities, such as the Pasteur Institute in Paris, uh, the American NIH, uh, they're all in Stanford University in Palo Alto, California, are all working towards developing a vaccine. But even with the Food and Drug Administration fast-tracking uh, that work, it, uh, from what my understanding is talking to the health experts, we're probably a good 18 months or longer out from a vaccine. Now, a vaccine would drastically alter the dynamics of what I just said. Because, right. obviously, exactly. if you vaccinate, it's different. But, you know, right now I'm being pragmatic and basing it on the information that our political leaders and our health officials have. Right, right. Well, very good. Thank you for all that update. That That is super important. And it does lead us up to our special guest today um, because in amongst all the restrictions and um, uh, issues and um, businesses in trouble, um, uh, last but not least, is certainly our uh, nonprofit and uh, help organizations that are out there. 
of which Kids for Community is one. And so uh, with that, I would love to welcome back to our show the one and only Keenan. Keenan, welcome to our show. Hi, thank you for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Here at home, self or isolating, social distancing, but it's sunny outside, and I'm making the best of the situation. So you're um, you're still in school. So you, have you been doing homeschooling? Yeah, um, uh, my school, Francis Parker, we moved online, so we have online classes Monday through Friday. Um, so I I just went off my math class uh, a few minutes ago. So yeah, still school. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm glad, glad you were able to fit us in between classes. That's very appreciated. We turned right after So Alpha tell us wrong. about oh, – really, I know. Well, we'll be a lot easier, I promise. Um, so, um, Keenan, tell us, tell us what, uh, what your first thoughts were when this whole thing came down and what projects were going on at Kids for Community – uh, right before the uh, restrictions for uh, COVID-19 came into play. So uh, when I last talked to you guys in January, we had planned for a volunteer day, our second annual volunteer day, and that was going to be uh, March 24th, March 25th, around that time. And during that event, we would assemble typically around 2,000 hygiene kits. Uh, we would make about 500 to 1,000 sandwiches. Uh, peanut butter and jelly and then we would also do care packages with toys and non-perishable food items as well as that we also would have an we also had an essay contest last year so we were looking to do something similar to that this year Um, but then the coronavirus hit and uh, right off the bat we were we cut down on restrictions as uh, cut down on social gatherings and our events typically those ones gather in 250 250 people so we had to cancel that event, and then we had uh, some dinner servings planned throughout the remainder of the academic school year, school year. So we had to cancel our one in March, and we have to cancel our one in May. But even though we had to cancel those events, I mean, Kids for Community, in essence, is all about helping people volunteer, whether that be at home or actually in, like, a shelter. So we didn't let this get the best of us. So what we do now is we've organized um, a homeless like we partner with a homeless shelter, so we're working with them to help assemble brown bag lunches and homemade masks that people volunteers can drop off at their location while still maintaining social distancing guidelines. And then we've also started contacting senior homes around San Diego to see if they'd be open to donations after the donations, of course, have been disinfected, don't want to spread the virus. Um, and then also right. just recently, as of, I want to say, an hour ago, we got 10,000 N95 masks, FDA approved. Kids for Community got a, hand of, a hold of 10,000 masks, and we're going to be um, shipping those out to various shelters throughout San Diego, I would say, within the next few days. This was just very soon. This was like an hour ago. Breaking news, uh, and that's phenomenal. Yeah. Brody? Well, congratulations on you know your efforts and your ongoing efforts and having had to listen to PPE mask numbers over the last two or three weeks, I can understand, you know, 
you know, <laughs> listening to you, it's like that's actually significant. Although you guys are nowhere close to the 41 million that Gavin sucked up to the state of California, which is an impressive yeah. number of masks. <laughs> if you think oh, for it. sure. Looking at you know, looking at this and the and the effort, um, one of the things that I wanted to focus on uh, is what can our listeners and what can the community members do to assist your efforts in continuing the supply chain to the homeless people, you know, since you guys are obviously unable to um, get out in the community like you normally would, what are the type of mechanisms and what are the type of, you know, protocols or procedures that would be most useful to you, whether it's maybe stroking a check for postage or, you know, paying, you know, UPS to deliver or whatever the case is, Talk to Rob and I about what would probably be the most useful thing that our listeners could do to help you out. So um, for us, at least, what, we would, what would help us the most is if you're in the San Diego County area, the greater San Diego area, we would love for you to uh, actually help make these supplies and deliver them or ship them to the homeless shelters that need them that we've been in partner with. But if you're out of city or out of state, the best thing that would help us would definitely be donations. Um, with those donations, we can provide supplies ourselves. We can go out and purchase more food supplies that we can ship or more blankets, things like that, that homeless shelters would still need during these times. And we can ship those out to homeless shelters. But don't, it doesn't just have to be for us. If you're sitting at home and you're in, say, uh, Oregon or Washington and you want to help, I would recommend instead of maybe donating your money to us, using that money to, um, one second, sorry, uh, using that no money to, um, someone's calling me, sorry. Um, <laughs> no problem. Um, so using that money to, um, instead of donating it to us, using that money to maybe benefit a homeless shelter in your area, because it took very, very little effort to partner and get in contact with the homeless shelters that we are in contact with, for example, Interfaith. That was very quick. It was one email. That's all it took. So what we recommend is if you have the funds and you want to help but you're not in San Diego, instead of donating money to us, go out, be proactive, talk to homeless shelters, see what they need, and instead donate it to them, donate supplies to them because that would definitely make a much larger difference. That, that's amazing and, and a very um, incredibly wonderful suggestion. Um, uh, Keenan, what you're obviously you're in touch with what's happening in the homeless community right now. What is the situation like for someone who's homeless right now in this pandemic? I mean, I'm very I'm very grateful for the work that our governor is doing. Definitely something that is unheard of in many other places. This whole thing with getting homeless people into hotels that are not um, that are not occupied right now because of the pandemic. I definitely appreciate the work that he's doing on that end. And um, I do sympathize and empathize with homeless people right now, considering that they do need help, especially, and especially if we want to reduce the spread of this disease, because there aren't really places that they can go in. The homeless shelters we've talked to, they're all full. Um, they they're all have max capacity. They're running low on supplies because they have to keep donating, which they have to keep giving supplies out because people need them now more than ever, even if they're not medical supplies. So it's not easy being a homeless person right now because you have to 
You have to stay healthy to keep your immune system up. You have to stay off the streets. You have to socially distance while doing all that stuff. But you also have to get supplies and stuff. So it's definitely not easy being a homeless person right now. And it's definitely if you want to help and you haven't been able to help before, now's the time to help. Right, right. And what what other programs are you working with with Kids for Community on a more virtual basis? Uh, are there are there any things that you guys have been in the work? Um, I've had some ideas. Um, I recently read about uh, that one actor, Matthew McCogane, um, and he did that virtual bingo class. And I really like that idea of doing some online, can, whether there be sessions or lessons like that. Can, 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 you, can you describe that for our listeners who are, aren't aware of what um, Matthew McConaughey is doing? What, what the so program Matthew, does? Yeah, so he had the brilliant idea of doing a Zoom bingo session for some, senior, uh, for some senior citizens at a senior shelter. So what he did is he hosted a Zoom meeting. Um, and it was Zoom, it's free for up to 20 people, I think, or 45 people, something like that. So we didn't cost him any money. And he basically just did bingo for those senior citizens online. He called out the numbers, they played, and it was fun. And I watched the video, everyone had a good time, he had a good time, and I'm sure it definitely brightened their spirits during these times. So I saw that. And I thought it was really creative because he may not be helping them by giving them supplies, but he's definitely helping in another way. And I definitely want to look into doing stuff like that too, maybe setting up a program or something through Zoom that helps people do something like that, whether it be bingo or not. I definitely like that idea because as we do need supplies and stuff, but it's also important that we don't neglect the whole idea that people need to have hope and we need to keep people happy and positive because that's also important, not as important, but definitely important. And that's what he was doing. So I think something like that would definitely go well with our mission. And I'm definitely looking forward. I'm definitely looking into that. And I've been looking into that recently. That That's fantastic. Um, are you thinking about things as well for families that previously to COVID-19 weren't really in trouble? I mean, people who were basically – doing okay, living paycheck to paycheck, um, you know, moving along, but now all of a sudden they have no income. They, you know, they have to feed their kids. Um, they are, they have to pay whatever bills they can. Um, and there's sort of no end in sight so far. Um, and they yeah. might be starting to hit bumpy roads. Um, do you guys have any plans for those type of people? As of right now, I don't, but I do know that uh, the organization, one of the organizations that we partnered with, more specifically Interfaith, um, they're definitely they're working on that as well, as well as because they're they're mainly homeless. They mainly work with the homeless, but especially now, a lot of people who maybe aren't homeless are getting into trouble, like you said, and they're working on that. And we're working to help supply them with supplies that they could donate to those people. Like for example, one supply that we've sent a lot to Interfaith is blankets, something that they don't really need for their homeless shelters right now, but they need for other people. That was just one supply that they really needed. They also need a lot of toothbrushes and toothpaste, all those hygiene items. That's what they sent that to us that they need the most. And I would assume that that's mainly for the people you were talking about because they have the supplies right. to keep their homeless, like the homeless people in their shelters 
like safe and healthy, but those people who are living paycheck to paycheck, they have to cut out those non-essentials somewhere. And that's where somewhere like that's an organization like Interfaith comes in to help them. And what we will want to do is we want to help those organizations help those people. And then we also want to help kids help those organizations. So great. Um, Brody? Keenan, one of the things that I've noticed in the last uh, two weeks, especially uh, as we've been covering the crisis, is that we have seen a lot of people step up, particularly in Texas and other areas, uh, where, mm-hmm. as you just pointed out, people that are living in the paycheck to paycheck and now suddenly have no income, and we have 17 million Americans who have literally filed for uh, you know, unemployment, and this is the government statistics because they're out of work, um, yeah. Have you thought about a program with your organization partnering with a food bank or uh, maybe an interfaith group where you guys could do, uh, in conjunction with the city or county of San Diego, uh, just for your area, a place where you could get your hygiene kits, and while they're handing out food, which is what they've principally been doing, is you know food banks have been you know distributing food. Uh, you know, people are wearing, you know, gloves and masks and they're handing the food to the people in the cars and then they keep going. Have you thought about participating in something similar to that or even setting something like that up? I have. I, I've definitely noticed that. I, I heard they recently had one by Qualcomm Stadium. I think it was the San Diego Food Bank. I might be mistaken. Um, I hadn't thought of that. But now that you say it, it definitely sounds like a really good idea. And it makes perfect sense that people do need food, but now especially they also need those hygiene supplies because early on there was a big rush to get them. And some things like toilet paper that some people do need but aren't so essential, they're like completely out of now and they won't have it since they, they don't have the means to afford it. So while that was not – that, well, that – well, I had not thought of that, that's definitely something I'll look into along with our online sessions. Because honestly, now that I'm at home, I have so much free time on my hands, and people are at home, people want to volunteer, so putting stuff like this together is not as hard as it used to be. So again, that just goes back to it, that if you want to volunteer, now is the time I would recommend you jump in. Yeah, you're, you are astounding. I, I'm so, so thoroughly impressed with you. We were, last time we had you on, and, and that definitely continues. Um, to your point, a lot of kids are at home, and um, you know they're probably even getting tired of the video games at this point. Um, do you have a way to kind of network to reach people that were not already kind of on your contact um, list uh, previous to this that you can recruit them in? I mean, I'm sort of going with your your mission of giving other people ways that they can participate which i think is brilliant uh for sure it's definitely a lot harder now to do something like that we usually collect we usually garner people's uh, attention during our events but what we've been doing recently is a lot of um a lot of press release we've been talking a lot about ways to volunteer so that's kind of our way of spreading the word and getting people in touch with us um we've already added a few people and over the past couple of days to our mailing list and we're sending out things to our our members actively events that we're putting together events that we recommend and just messages of hope um, doing things like that that's how we keep our volunteers we already have working and that's how we are adding more volunteers to our list oh that's wonderful yeah it'd be cool if every of your like if each of your volunteers could contact 10 people 
who are not doing anything right now and get them on board, um, you know, and get it networked out. Because I, I think there's a lot of people sitting around that you would actually be a godsend just giving them the, the, a purpose and, you know, something to be doing at home that rather than sitting and waiting, um, but just absolutely brilliant stuff that you've got going. Brody. Keenan, um, I would like you, if you wouldn't mind, let's take a quick break here. I'd like you to tell people how they can contact you, uh, what the best form is, uh, be it website, email. Uh, so if they have questions or maybe they want to assist you in any effort or maybe even stroke you a check or PayPal or whatever the case is, why don't you go ahead and tell Rob and I how can people help and where do they go? So um, through Facebook, you can go to our Facebook page and contact us from there. That's kids, the number four community, no spaces. Or you can go to our website, which is, uh, again, kids, the number four dot org. Um, and then from there, you can contact us. Or if you want to reach me directly, but I'll respond to any means through website or Facebook, you can contact me in my email, which is kpaula, and paula is spelled P-A-L-A, at kids4.org. And then I want to say one quick thing. I really like that idea of the hygiene kit food drive thing. I've definitely started thinking about it, and I'm looking. I'm going to start looking into how we can do something like that. Well, I, I have complete faith that you know once you put your mind to it, uh, it will probably uh, very much uh, be accomplished. Because uh, I've just discovered, and Rob and I talked about this after we had you on in January, that uh, you seem to be. Uh, just a little human, uh, you know, tornado that rips things in a good way and, and gets things accomplished. And uh, which I think, you know, the, the other thing is that you're always steady uh, and you hold the course, which if I'm not mistaken, you're a cross country runner. So I'm not terribly surprised by that <laughs> attitude. Um, Keenan, one more thing, then I'll, I'll let Rob uh, go at you again. But looking at the situation, you know, you're 15 years old. This is kind of a really trying time not just for the globe, it's self-planetary, but, uh, you know, for your peer group in particular, especially uh, the kids that are a couple of years older who now won't have their proms, they won't have their graduations, they may or may not start college on time in the fall. We still don't know if that's going to happen. How do you, how do you, what advice do you have to them, and how do you look at this? I mean, you're part of that generation. This is you guys' moment. I mean, talk to us a little bit about that. For sure. Um, well, I'll start with me. Um, I'm, like you said, I love running, for one, and I lost my track season, uh, which was supposed to start in March. And I was looking forward to this summer. I had already taken my ACT, so I had, all, I had the testing standards. I've been working on the grades, and I needed the time, so I was going to start contacting colleges this summer. But obviously, without a track season, I can't get times. So one thing that I've did, I've done, and I actually just did it yesterday, is I've been doing a lot of time trials. Like yesterday, I did a 932 mile, and those those things I film, I record, and that's what I'll be using instead of races. So then I guess what you can see in that is what you want to do is you just want to make the best of what you have. Like I can't run races, but I'll find another way to do it. And even with prom, I was looking, I was reading, John Krasinski is going to be hosting like a prom. He's going to be DJ. DJing a prom that anyone can log into through his Instagram on Friday. So like, it's not going to be the same. And I totally understand that. And I'm, I'm, I'm right there with 
teenagers right now, maybe not the seniors, but it's not going to be the same, but it doesn't mean that things can't happen. It'll be a little harder, yes, but it's definitely still possible if we work together now more than ever, especially. We can still continue living a life. I mean, we're blessed that we're in this time and we have a pandemic now, not 100 years earlier. We have the internet. We have, on, we have the cloud. So it's so much easier to work from home and do things from home than it was before. Like per se, the Spanish flu pandemic, which was two years, three waves, no vaccine, no internet. That was much harder, but it's definitely hard now too. But if we work together, we utilize our resources, there's definitely a way to address every single problem, whether it be prom, commencement, not being able to do a season for track, anything like that. Uh, that's that's brilliant and very insightful of you. I mean, in terms of the situation now and and the fact that we uh, it is hitting at a time when we do have technological support um, that makes it more livable. Um, I kind of wanted to ask you though, in in your perspective, um, there are a lot of things that could be going away for the foreseeable future, i.e. for the next two, three years, like Disneyland, like fairs, mm-hmm. like things that a lot of teenagers like to go do um, and, has, and has always been part of the teenager experience. Um, For and sure. And to your point, it's being, being replaced by technological versions of that. What, what do you think the long-term effect is going to be on – you know, your generation. Yeah, I mean, definitely, even the San Diego Fair, I don't, they're definitely talking, Comic-Con, all these events are being canceled. Um, It will definitely have a psychological effect on my generation. I don't think people are happy that we lose this part of our lives, this social aspect of our lives, that we usually have, like, these these in-person Disneyland, all that stuff, And it's not like video games can replace that because it's not the memories that you make. You are talking to people, but it's not the same. And I guess with that, that's just going to have to be something we're going to live with. But there's no reason why we can't make the best of it. Like, again, I'm going to give another example. With birthday parties, a lot of people are doing those those drive-by birthday parties now. So it's going to have a big impact for sure on our psychological or just our, it's going to have a big psychological effect on teenagers for sure. Not being able to, I guess, live that teenager lifestyle, but if anything, um, it'll make us a little more productive instead of focusing on something like that. We're going to be now at home. We'll eventually grow bored of video games. I mean, somehow, some way it's just going to happen <laughs> and people are going to start focusing more on school. Maybe you'll catch up on some sleep. Maybe I'll do some reading. It won't be as easy because I know it's definitely hard. It won't be as easy for kids to, I don't know, vape or jewel, whatever it is at home when there's parents there. So in the end, it might actually help teenagers become better people, more well-formed adults in the long run, but it's going to suck now. But it it may help us. It may make us healthier, but we're just going to have to live without things like that for sure if we don't want something like this happening again. No, definitely. Brody? 
Well, I think one of the things that you're saying that I, I kind of uh, has been thrown around in different press conferences and even with my colleagues, and we've been discussing this as we're reporting, is that this is a big change because the things that would, you know, be taken for granted aren't so much. Um, one of my colleagues at the San Francisco Chronicle uh, was out with his photographer and with the entire city on lockdown, uh, the wildlife's coming back. And they got some great yeah. shots of coyotes uh, where the cable cars would normally be in the business district. My favorite uh, shot was a coyote out just underneath the uh, uh, Golden Gate Bridge at Fort Drum. Uh, we have pictures of, uh, you know, various goats and sheep invading <laughs> villages in Wales. Um, so, and the other part is it seems as though the planet is kind of healing itself a little bit. And, for sure. you know, I, for example, I, um, I took a shot from a security camera of the skies over Los Angeles, LA skyline about a week ago. I'll be honest with you. I have never, ever seen Los Angeles like that. I, it just, it was incredible. And that, which brings me to my question to you, you know, as nature is healing itself, is this maybe nature's way of telling us that we should kind of like slow down and take stock and inventory of what we are and who we are? And maybe <laughs> we should think about, you know, healing a little bit. You know, it definitely does bring that question into play. And then I was reading also on top of the coronavirus, there's this new hornet or wasp from Asia that's starting to make fall in like Washington and stuff. So I definitely think that this is a wake-up call, that we need to start addressing these issues like climate change and stuff. Because, like, look, even a few months of slowing things down is going to have years of positive impact on us. And, yeah, we don't do change well. Humans definitely don't do change well. But that's just something, again, we're going to have to live with. Like, in the past, after the Spanish flu, which really hit hard in China, a lot of people started wearing masks, in China especially. And now we're all going to start wearing masks masks outside just as a precaution. That's something we're going to have to live with. It's a change. We don't do change well, but it's going to happen. And hopefully one good thing that comes out of this is the whole idea of us addressing diseases, us cracking down on wet markets in China, and just us talking more about climate and nature comes out of that. And we could make something that's bad a little better. No, definitely. Um, Tina, I wanted to ask you, um, so we definitely want teens that are at home that can be putting together kits and everything to, um, to raise their hands and be part of, you know, your, the, you know, the Kids for Community endeavors <laughs> and take part of that. Um, what about the kids who are at home but money's tight? Um, they don't really have money to go out and get supplies to make kits themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of projects? Um, could they be doing that would contribute to the greater good? Um, I touched on it a little earlier, um, but so when we started out, we did this event called Messages of Hope in Kids for Community. It was one of our first major events, and what we did was it was after Hurricane Irma, or after Hurricane, yeah, after Hurricane Irma and after Hurricane Harvey, like after the hurricanes battered um, the Atlantic side of the United States and Puerto Rico. We did this this event, and what we did basically was we got these white shirts, and we wrote nice messages on them. We designed these shirts. It was mainly kids who were designing the shirts. They 
said stuff like hurricane survivor. They had nice little drawings, stuff like that, in all sizes. And then we had people write messages, especially the kids, write these messages, and we shipped those off. So something like that, where it's maybe not something you go out there and buy, perhaps, and then send like a supply. Of course, with Messages of Hope, we did hygiene kits too, but that was the main focus, the shirts, is because we wanted to show people there is hope, people care for you, and it's especially kids. Because, I mean, of course, getting a handwritten letter that says, I care for you, or like, good luck, or like, best wishes from a kid is a lot better than an adult. And I can definitely attest to that. I love getting messages from my little cousins more than my uncles and aunts. Um, But I mean, it's those things that sometimes make a big difference as well as supplies. And if you don't have the means to get supplies right now, try doing something like that. Write a handful of nice cards, drop them off at your neighbor's doors while they're not like, while, while they're not by the door. Or write a bunch of nice cards, ship them off to a homeless shelter, ship them off to a homeless or senior citizen home, something like that, a a nice craft that shows you care and that there's hope at the end and there's light at the end of this tunnel. That might have a big impact as well as – that might have just as big an impact on some people's lives as supplies. No, absolutely. And I would also say that, you know, if – you know, because of touching physical things might be a barrier for, for people um, doing everything you're saying in electronic formats and sending them out, texting them out to people who can receive them that way. And to your point, um, I totally agree with you. Um, sometimes that kind of messaging from a very young person is incredibly heartwarming and hopeful um, and yes. would be absolutely wonderful um, to receive. Um, so, Keenan, take us, take us to the end of this. Take us to what you see happening the day after uh, COVID-19 is, is completely under control. It's gone. What, what do you hope for our new world to look like? Well, as soon as we finish this thing, I would say take a breather, but we're all taking rest right now. So we should definitely jump right into it and start addressing issues that we learned through this we need to talk about and two of those being diseases in general and nature i mean we've seen the impact that staying at home not um, a lot, releasing a lot of carbon emissions has had on the planet earth there's been a decrease in fires things like that and like the skylines i've seen those photos too even china's looking way better than it has before So nature and climate change is going to be something that we're going to have to address right off the bat after this. And then, of course, this whole idea about diseases. And it's happened before with SARS, which originated out of China. That was through wet markets. And four years after SARS, the wet markets went back to 100% um, functioning, like as if SARS had never happened, like those SARS restrictions. So we're going to have to crack down. Whether it came out of wet markets or not, this disease, which is still up in the air, um, no one knows for certain. It's still something that needs to be addressed because that is definitely a plausible spot for diseases to spark. And if we're not prepared, which might take years, something we can do right off the bat is crack down on possible places that diseases can come from, one of them being wet markets, whether they be in China or not, just wet markets in general. 
And then, of course, this whole thing about homelessness and um, this this income gap. I mean, all these people that are being laid off from employers who definitely can afford to take a hit like this but won't out of greed and obsession. Like, I think I read about this one director. I think he directed Tiger King, but he laid off about 500 people in, in his company while he pull while he's pulling off a record year right now. So it's things like that we're going to have mm-hmm. to crack down and we're going to have to start putting in place all these worker protection rights or whatever we call them to ensure that people aren't getting laid off because of this for unfair reasons, because it's now that you need that money the most. And if you're being laid off, it's not helping. And then homelessness too, which we're starting to touch on now. But I mean, even homeless people, I mean, it's not their fault, but that's definitely a way the disease can keep spreading because a lot of homeless people are malnourished. They're not very immune. Mm -hmm. And this, virus can live on services they're out on the streets because there's no place that'll take them in so it's definitely a very easy way for viruses to spread so homelessness too so i'd say those are the big things we should touch on it's all about climate change the environment disease control worker rights and homelessness i think those are the four things that government should go straight into as soon as we finish this well, I I wish you were leading the country, quite frankly. You're brilliant and <laughs> wonderful, and um, I love what you're doing and um, have have the utmost of respect for you. Um, Brody, Thank any you. final questions? Keenan, looking ahead uh, in terms of at least for the interim, we know that the stay-at-home is more than likely going to be extended probably again. Uh, If it's not, then there's going to be some relaxing of those standards. Um, I I would like to think that people would, you know, continue to maintain their levels of awareness. Uh, We've seen a lot of pushback, unfortunately, in places like Ohio and Michigan recently, as as recently as yesterday. You know, what would you say to kids, your peer group, as to why it's so critical that we do maintain these stay-at-home and that you don't go out and socialize with your buddies and you go do your things, what message do you give your peers as to why we really need to respect that? So I think, and this could really go for everyone, but I guess especially teenagers is it does seem to be numbers wise. This virus does seem to be plateauing out, but that's definitely not an excuse to go back outside and hang out with your friends or go back outside and get back to work like in person through restaurants and stuff. It just means that what we're doing right now is working and we have to keep doing that until the number does hit zero because all it takes is one big event or all it takes is one mishap, one social gathering, one sleepover with your friends, and this thing could just start right up again. So don't be, don't be tricked, I should say. Don't be tricked by the numbers plateauing out because that, means, that doesn't mean that the work's over. It just means that the work is work, like it's working. And we have to keep doing it. And I mean, think about it like this. Say you're a runner. I'll just use that as an example. And you get injured. You get injured and you're starting to recover, right? You're like, you're, you're past the point where you get worse every day. And now you're starting to feel better every day. The swelling is going down little by little every day. Just because the swelling drops a little from say Monday to Tuesday, doesn't mean you go out on a run Wednesday. It means you keep resting, keep doing what you're already doing so that maybe by the next Monday, you can go back out on a run. 
So that's what I would say to teenagers. Don't be tricked by numbers dropping. You don't want to be that one person that's responsible for infecting five other people because I'm sure that doesn't feel good. So just stay home. Talk to your friends online. Play video games with them. Use Discord. Have fun like that. I can't believe I'm actually saying that. And don't go outside <laughs> and socially in, in, and be social. Yeah. Yeah. And get involved with kids for community and and um, yes, get projects yes, going at home. I think that would be that would be awesome. Um, Keenan, we're down to our our wire here. Um, what haven't we asked you that we should have talked about? Um, I mean, I just I just want to say this, and um, I just want to say this. I've I've said it plenty of times before, um, but it's that don't be discouraged that, oh, since you're a kid, it's so hard to volunteer. And especially now that it's even harder to volunteer, there's no reason to volunteer because that's completely wrong. Um, kids definitely can volunteer. Kids are definitely better volunteers than adults. I'm sorry to all the adults out there. It's just true. If a kid cares, <laughs> it leaves a much bigger impact than an adult who cares. Of course, adults, adult volunteers are great, but I, I think kid volunteers are better. Um, I may be biased, but that's just what I've learned. So don't be discouraged by all those people saying that, oh, kid volunteers, it doesn't make a difference, or, oh, helping the homeless doesn't make a difference right now. We have to focus on other things. Any little bit that you do to help, it counts for something, and it makes the world, even if it's slightly better, it does make the world better, if not your hometown. And it makes you feel good, too. So that's that's what I want to say. And then, of course, it's times like these we realize we're way more similar than we're different. All of us are susceptible to this disease. So we're all in this together. There's no need for hate. There's no need to discriminate anyone of any creed, gender, race, anything like that. So all those prejudices need to be set aside when you're volunteering or even when you're doing anything. And that's just, I feel, that's important to say. Yeah, no, that's brilliant, and I hope you have um, set forth a competition with uh, kid volunteers <laughs> and adult volunteers so they can compete and see which one's actually better. Because uh, that, I'd like to, make I'd like to see that even, even further. <laughs> yeah, me too. So again, quick, uh, how do people contact you? Uh, my email k paula, which is p a l a, at kids the number four dot org, or our website, which is kids the number four dot work. Excellent. Well, Keenan, I want to thank you so much for joining us again. You're brilliant. You're wonderful. Um, I'm in awe. Thank you. Um, and you know, I, I, I'm thrilled with the work you're doing and very hopeful and optimistic that you're going to have even greater impacts um, in the future. You're brilliant. Thank you, Brody, for joining and everything you do and, all your information and your journalistic work, which we couldn't do without. I want to thank our listeners. Um, again, we will be back here next week with another fascinating program, we promise. Um, also catch Out in Santa Cruz on Saturday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific time. You can listen to that live stream on www.kfco.com. Um, and uh, we will be back, like I said, this t same time, this same place next week. Tell your friends to download us 
off their podcast apps and subscribe. We appreciate it so very much, and we will talk to you next week. You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio.